The following presentation is brought to you by the Kyogle Writers Festival 2021. The Kyogle Writers Festival would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this work was created, the Gullible people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello everybody and welcome to Arts and Advocacy. My name is Rebecca Tapscott and I'm from the Occasional Studio and you've just watched my film which is basically highlights my current art practice where I'm looking at the loss of species since European occupation here in Australia. I'm a little bit nervous so please bear with me. But not only do I do that form of art, you may have noticed on the power poles in town, lots of animals around the place. And that's where I have collaborated with the local schools in the community, and we are bringing the outside in. So we are hoping to allow the students to um, become aware that they share their space with other species and animals and they need to be aware of them and care for them and basically appreciate that. And in the same vein, I do, um, I've done quite a few murals with local Indigenous artist, Uncle Wayne Walker, where we, we want to create murals that intertwine our cultures so that, that, so that we, through the animals of the land, the sky and the water, we acknowledge that this land is, we are on the land of the Bunjalung people, which are part of the, the land of the Gullible people, which are part of the Bunjalung nation that has been and always will be Aboriginal land. So I'm just going to have a seat, get myself comfortable and relax. So artists for centuries have been using their chosen expressive forms to serve as recognition and representation of the oppressed to give voice to those that have no voice, for social awareness and change. Today, joining me on the panel to discuss themes of art and advocacy, I'm gonna have former social and policy, former professor of social and policy, Stuart Rees, musician, Luke Vassella, poet, Christabel Struhl, and indigenous elder of the Gullible people, Uncle Andrew Johnson all of whom have spent a significant portion of their lives speaking through various art forms, whether it be writing, poems, performance, visual arts, or music. So our first guest knows a bit about advocacy of the oppressed. He's the founder of the Peace Foundation, Sydney Peace Foundation, which in part with his services in international relations was awarded in 2004 the Order of Australia. His work has taken him to conflict zones all around the world, from Zimbabwe to Palestine. He's the author of numerous books and articles on peace and conflict, including poetry. He's going to recite a poem for us today. Please make welcome to the stage, Professor Stuart Rees. Uh, thank you very much, Rebecca. Thank you, everybody, for being here at uh, a crowded and demanding two days. I find it difficult to concentrate on anything at the moment except the slaughter that is going on in Israel-Palestine, or particularly the slaughter of the people of Gaza. And in a way, the, the topic that uh, we're talking about, the use of art, music, poetry, to advocate for a sense of justice, for me, is right at this moment overtaken by that particular piece of fascism and bestiality. And I'm, I know I'm not here to make a speech, and I'm come to the, coming to the poetry in a minute, but uh, to speak truth to power, you have to tell it as it is. And luckily for us, in terms of poetry, they've often grasped situations far better than people who wrote in prose. I'm going to recite a poem about that, that I wrote 
in Colombo Airport after several uh, weeks uh, or more in the middle of the terrible civil war in Sri Lanka. Not too different in many ways from the carnage that's going on in the Middle East. And as I sat in the airport trying to make sense of the viciousness that I had witnessed towards the Tamils, um, I, I wanted to answer the question to myself, what's the, in, in Cockney terms, what's he all about then? You know, Cockneys in the East End of London said the only question you all need to answer is, what's he all about then? And I, I thought of, the, of an animal that the, the Sinhalese and the Tamils treasure, it's a water buffalo. Um, and poor people maybe own one and they treasure it and decorate it. And it brought together issues of violence and non-violence and issues of respect for people who have nothing. It's called the water buffalo. And this is me scratching my head in Colombo Airport before I got on the plane to fly home. In times of confrontation, when humility is a feat, to kill is seen as freedom, to serve is labelled weak. We hear the sounds of protests, of rights and rights at length. How strange to call this animal of stamina and strength. Some topped with brass, some painted, some broken, some not grown, the curled, the straight, the knobbly, though their faces are forlorn, and neck knobs set the hinges for worn-out casts and carts with shafts to frame a ribcage which burdens cannot mask. It must be cheap to run them on water, love and greens, yoked to the Orient's wagons. They have no gasoline, serene in all their plodding, predictable if slow, companions to the poorest, the water buffalo. Thank you so much. Come and have a seat. Here you are. Here's the mic. I can imagine that um, experiencing what you have in the world has been quite um, thought-provoking for you. What, has there been a defining moment in your life? What was the first moment that you thought, I actually have to use my voice to say something about what's happening in the world? Well, I think there were lots, but um, um, let me try and be romantic about it. Please do. Because everybody needs a dose of romance on a hot Sunday afternoon, right? Um, I was in a, in a cafe in the Canadian Rockies, and it was at the time when people in Romania and Poland and Eastern Germany were protesting communism. Before, before the Berlin Wall was brought down. And I was in this cafe and there was this ballerina-like waitress serving the coffee. And I said, where do you come from? And she said, I am so happy. I said, I'm sorry, I, I repeated, where do you come from? And she said, I am so happy. And it turned out she was a dancer who had jumped ship in New York to protest the, the, the restrictions of communism in her home country, Poland at that time, and she thought she had tasted freedom at last. And I, I went away that evening and wrote a long poem called, I am so happy, because that's, <laughs> that's about the clearest thing she could say in English. So what, what took you to that place in Canada? Was this part of your role as a professor or yeah, yeah, before, well, um, before that? Uh, yeah, well, I was working for the Attorney General uh, to, to run social security, parole, probation, social welfare in a remote, in a remote town in, the, um, in central, central British Columbia, as it was. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about that, and given that we're here in a country town, yeah. is that when, when, when we worked in a big city like Vancouver, all the services were there. You could pick up the phone to the police, the courts, the welfare, the doctor, the physio, etc. When you were in the small place, you had to roll your sleeves up and do it yourself. I mean, I would have had to have rung some, a, a versatile character like you and say, <laughs> can, you, you know, can you help me? That was what was great about being in relatively distant places. 
So you say, you, you ran into me and you, you know, can you help me? Did you help her? By, by saying, speaking for her, do you think that in a way you were helping her? Oh, well, yeah, because um, people want to be taken seriously. The, the world is full of lonely people whom nobody takes any notice of. So the, I mean, I remember in, in, in the San Francisco hospital when veteran Americans who were Filipinos, they were Filipino Americans, they were dying, but they had never had a chance to tell their story to anybody. Nobody, nobody appears to have taken them seriously. And it was almost their dying wish, you know, please hear me. You know, I'm, yep. I'm a human being as, as important as, as anybody else. So storytelling, you, you speak and you tell stories in words, and I, I tell stories through pictorial forms. Mm, sure. It's really important, do you feel, to, um, to share your passions, to share your beliefs, and to share the, um, the rights of individuals that may not have a voice. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you rang me up and, and asked me uh, about your own art, and we. So I, I thought, well, I don't want to get too into trouble with Rebecca. I better check up on her art. Um, um, that that that's crucial. That, um, that in terms of when you say, did I did I help her? The question about reciprocity, yep. you know, and my comrades stride for stride, paces silent at my side, said the poet Hausmann, um, meaning, you know, the solidarity and expression with one another be, would apply to just about everybody in this hall. Yep. It's a crucial form of, of mental health. It's better than sedatives. I, I like... Going back to that, did you help her? Or, like, at the moment, we all know that women are dying nearly one every week by someone. And um, a few years ago, I did a series, I did a, a work, and it was a beautiful landscape, but in that landscape, it had 48 crows in it. And it was called A Murder of Crows. And it was basically representing the 48 women that had died to that day that I had my exhibition. I painted a final crow that night before I had to get it into the gallery. And it's like, it's, it's helping someone without actually saying it in, like, okay. not, not just like bringing it to that person, this is about her, but it's actually about all women or all people who are oppressed. Sure, but what you're talking about is what we're doing here. We're in a, we are conducting a piece of theater, right? Here's the audience where we're, you yes, may be nominated are. for an Oscar. I probably, I probably will not be. <laughs> but the question of theatre and bringing together is crucial. I mean, my experience of working with women who were poor in different parts of Scotland, um, who nobody had taken very seriously, was yeah. when, they, when we put on a theatrical show with them enabled to play different roles, all the world's a stage and all the people merely players, they all have their exits and their entrances. This was, this was the most healing, therapeutic thing for those women. And in some ways, collectively, your art, the music we're going to hear, the, et cetera, yep. is, is part of the theatre of, of life. It, it, and it does it. It brings it to the everyday people so that we can, you know, go from there and make a bit more change. Now, I wanted to ask you this question. Do you find writing poetry different from writing books? Do you feel that the message comes out in a different way? Well, po poetry has to find that extra dimension of expression which you can't get in prose. And, you, and, and different art forms um, achieve another dimension. So, for, um, so that um, um, those lines I quoted the other morning about um, uh, what a fair world were ours for verse to paint if power could live at ease with self-restraint. Yep. You can almost, the point about the poetry is there's, there's rhythm, the rhythm and the music in the lines, not always, can add something that you can't get in prose. So, for example, take for example, we're not allowed to know that thousands of young Chinese were slaughtered by the Chinese army in Tiananmen Square in 1989. Yep. But a poet who was there at the time called James Fenton wrote about it. Yep. And so at least, in, at least in the English language, it's there as a, as a record. Um, that's it, crucial. 
And you just mentioned about through poetry or music and speak, and we are actually going to have our, our second guest now, and who's a, mu who's a musician. Um, can you please welcome to the stage Luke Vasella? And as you, here he is. And he's probably a lot more welcome, used to the stage than us. He's, he's played in halls, he's played on the earth. Luke was very much instrumental in bringing his voice to change at the Bentley blockade. And he's gonna play us a few songs today. Justice without fear of evil On the Capitol steps in Montgomery, Alabama Everybody was tired but he rang out like a hammer How long? Not long We can crush the truth to the earth But it's gonna rise up He spoke by the highway on the pillig of sand about a sustainable world, not the avarice, the greed and destruction of man. Love is the Lord and the plan of a 
the song I wrote for Australia's Earth Overshoot Day. A day when, uh, if everyone in the world lived and used the resources that we, the average Australian uses, if all seven or eight billion of us had that privilege, um, we would extinguish the Earth's resources uh, by the 22nd of March. darkness on the face of the deep and did you weep at the birth of the galaxies at the universe of possibilities brace yourself like a human being come to me I will question you you will answer me were you there you understand how I love you so were you there did you lay the earth's foundation with joy and jubilation Scene. Have you been to the gates of the shadow of death? Though you are a mist, though you are a breath, brace yourself like a human being and come to me. I will question you and you will answer me. Were you there? How would you know? That was really beautiful. I, um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, come and have a seat. Come sit here. Here's a microphone. I'd like to ask you a few questions, but I'm going to start off by asking you, what was it that fired your belly and made you feel that compulsion to go to Bentley? Uh, a few things. I guess love of the... Uh, my son had just been born. My son, uh, and he had the cord wrapped around his neck a couple of times, scared the life out of me. And, and uh, I was so grateful for his being in the world. And um, I, I guess I saw this love of this, this place, this Bundjalung country, has been a uh, place that I've fell in love with uh, since 1995. And it's beautiful. And I've uh, been reborn in this place. So, um, yeah, all the, the culture, the, the society around here, there's been a lot of um, uh, history of, you know, social activism and, and uh, environmental awareness. And that, that influence just being here over all these years is, was part of it as well. Would have... Um make you think about things sometimes in relation to the earth. After all, she's our mother and, you know, we need to protect her. And, you know, she has no voice at all. In your music, you talk about corruption. And do you feel that that is one of our biggest threats on the planet at the moment, is the corruption? Yeah, um... It's it's a it's a tricky one because um, yeah absolutely but we're all enmeshed and we're all um, intertwined. intertwined in it the um, the subtleties of the structural if we if we want to call it structural evil um, that we're all part of well, and and we all you know we all. We're all in the one canoe, as some people say, you know. And I'm just, like, as in corruption, like, we have corruptness within our governments that lead to our earth being destroyed, but, Stuart, would you say that the corruption within governments might also lead to people being destroyed? It's almost entirely about abusive power. If you want to, if men in particular want to hang on to power by any means, the any means suggests that they'll use even corrupt means and um, they would treat people and the earth that Lucas has been talking about as, as an expendable resource, you know, of no consequence. Um, and I mean, what's great about the indigenous people of Australia is that they can't make, they refuse to make a distinction between their human rights and the rights of the land, you know, there's, is there, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, look, corruption is, the issue is about the abuse, abusive power, a failure to learn the creative, non-harmful, life-enhancing ways of using power, such as the way you have just played. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Like you were talking earlier to me about how music is a non, um, non-violent form of sharing expression. expression and sharing the message around the place. Do you find that um, you feel contentment or happiness or peace when you, you speak about these issues? That maybe you are going to influence someone with your words that might make a change? If not in a bigger point, a bigger perspective, but maybe in their own life and their own well-being. Yeah, I think, I think. Um, I mean, I I felt felt a uh, with the CSG stuff. I felt a calling or a um, an opportunity because I'm a I'm not really a you know um, a, I'm an independent you know artist, a, a person that. I sing for people's weddings. I'm a wedding singer. I'm a party singer. Okay. I, I love everybody. <laughs> and I don't like to, um, um, you know, get involved in arguments, really. But 
there was a time to to speak into that situation, particularly the Bentley situation, I guess. I could see that uh, pragmatically, I could see, you know, this can go off the rails very easily, very quickly, if not, if the right, if there's not a, um, if, 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 if there's not a, a good spirit there, um, and if, and I could feel the anger and, you know, frustration, and I, I felt it myself, and identified with it, but I also felt uh, we've got to find a way to channel and, and, you know, channel that in some... Do you feel, like, I know you, you both men, do you feel that maybe it might be time for men to pass or let women have a say in how the world is coming along? Oh. Like, well, there's so much... Aggression, which is very much um, linked to testosterone, and you know, that that feel maybe like I don't know, am I just out here on a limb? But you know that maybe it's time for to look to the earth and look to the mother and like try and you know bring peace that way. Look, I mean, I had um, pumpkin soup for lunch, not testosterone. Are you um, sure? I was gonna, <laughs> Are I was you gonna, sure? I was going to say whatever you say, Beck. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, because you were talking about the, um, the masculine um, policies in the world with regards to Mugabe and their, the, that maybe toxic masculinity that like, maybe well, he's going well, through. Well, sure. I mean, it's, it's partly tribal, it's partly militaristic, it's partly about one-dimensional power, which means the only, the only thing I demand from you is your obedience. I mean, that's gone on, it used to be called education. It used to be called, how, this is the way to run a prison, this is the way to run a military, this is the way to run a government. Yep. It's one-dimensional. It has neither the creativity and curiosity that you express in your music, right? And, and usually, I mean, there is a feminine male distinction in that respect. Yep. Your art shows that. Um, but in so, ways, it's, it's quite violent. Like, I mean, I have evoked violent responses in people when they have looked at my art. Sure, because people, everyone's threatened by their ignorance. You know, what you don't know, um, what you're unfamiliar with, unless you are willing to trespass into uncertainty. That refers yeah. to all of us. If yeah. we hadn't... I mean, that sounds like a bit of a highfalutin phrase, but if we hadn't done that, women wouldn't have the vote, Aborigines wouldn't be citizens, and, God, and, yep. and, and slavery would be worse than it is. Well, it is still around in the world today. Let's change to something a bit more beautiful, and someone, <laughs> and someone who likes to speak on beauty. Now, our next guest, um, I first met when she wandered into my occasional studio, um, asking if um, she could respond in poetry to one of my cyanotypes of a tawny frog mouth. And it was really unusual. I was just like working away and she comes in and like um, Luke, she responds to the earth and the beauty of the earth or in a, I don't know, I just, I really appreciate her artwork. So can you please welcome, who's just gonna read for us a poem called Web of Life. Christabel Strill. Thanks, Beck, and thanks, everybody. Um, I came from a farming background, and um, I felt very close to the earth when I was growing up, but I could see how hard the life was, and I didn't follow the farming um, life myself, but I was always felt in touch with it. And I have become more and more distressed about the, um, the state of the earth, particularly in Australia, um, particularly with suicides of farmers. And I recently um, read a book about regenerative farming, which maybe we can talk a bit more about later. Um, but I felt an urge to capture the... Um, philosophy of that book in a poem. And so I would like to share that with you now. The title of the poem is The Web of Life. And it's a poem which is a challenge. 
Let us look around us with different eyes at this arid continent that we call home. This ancient remnant of Guandana land which journeyed northwards under a sea of stars, bringing with it the hoop pine, ferns and flowers, spiders and snakes, which would co-evolve on this continent that we now call Australia. Let us be willing to release outworn paradigms that tell us that nature is an enemy to be challenged, subdued, captured, forced into submission to our will. The letting go may be painful and fraught, for ways of seeing are deeply etched into our minds by the heritage from our forefathers. They thought only that they were doing right, making a home, getting ahead. Let us allow our hearts and minds to be open to the realities of this world, have the courage to turn our world upside down. Let us be patient and listen with our hearts as well as our ears to this dynamic country which is suffering, whose balance has been lost. And know that we place little value on the dispossessed. Let us listen to the people who have long learned to live in harmony with this land. They are survivors. They know that the rivers have the right to run and the fish the right to swim and birds to fly and the honeybee the right to find abundant flowers. They know that humans too have a right to food which nourishes the body and the spirit. But how can these rights be enacted except by a people who respect soil and sun, water and diversity of life? A people who employ their agency to support the web of life because of their belief in the unity and interconnectedness of all things. Let us learn from those courageous grassroots pioneers who have chosen to regenerate their land and perhaps heard the call of the reed warbler. Let us be prepared to sacrifice outworn beliefs for the sake of our survival and that of our children, for the healing of the people is dependent upon the healing of the earth. That was beautiful. I love how you describe the interactions between the animals and their environment and how they are, uh, it's of a thing of beauty, not a thing of anger. Where oh, absolutely, yes. Because um, when, when we look at creation which is around us, it's very inspiring. And, um, and if we see the interconnectedness of, of the living things of the earth, um, and then I think, that, uh, for me, that's an easy thing to do. The difficulty is um, working out how to relate to that and how the humanity can relate to that because it seems to me, um, you know, the world is in a lot of pain at present. There's a lot of suffering and um, it's as if humanity has lost touch with who they really are and I think we need to search for that and I think the arts have a, have a um, very important place, all the arts, an important place in doing that. Do you think that we, oh, this is a question to everyone, like do you feel that we are becoming more humane now than we have ever been in the past? As a human race? As a human race, like I mean, there has been such horrible atrocities perpetrated against each other and the earth over a long period of time. Do you think now we are becoming aware that there is a need for us to to be kind? I think that there are, I think there's more extremes. 
I think there's more extremes of cruelty, and then there's the extremes of um, people discovering their humanity and, and um, making an advocacy for whatever part of that suffering that they, they connect with, yeah. Yeah, do you think, what about you, Stuart? Do you think the time is now a time where we're being more aware of what's happening? Well, I mean, the COVID crisis has made us realise that we have to look after one another. We have to respect one another. That there is a world of in interdependence without which we won't survive. And the interdependence in some way is in Christabel's poem with the earth, with humanity, with all living things. I'm not very optimistic about that we're more humane. If you take inequality as the yardstick, you'd have to say it was worse. Yep. If the massive, because the massive inequalities are usually an indication of violence. So I know we, at this festival, we want, we, it's your responsibility to end on an optimistic note. And, well, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to be me that's going to be optimistic. It, on, yeah, I would, I would, I suppose I feel a bit similar to Stuart there. Um, I think we, we, yeah, we, we need to, we're aware of a lot of things. We've got all this knowledge, uh, but, but, um, yeah, we, we're going to find out, um, I guess, a lot more about ourselves and the true nature of our society as, um, as it goes along. And on, on the true nature of our society in this country that we live on, I'd like to welcome to the stage, just have a chat with us. He's going to um, have a few songs later, Uncle Andrew. Can you come over here and have a chat? We're going to come Andrew? and have a chat first. Because, yeah, you're just sorry, getting things sorry. done. He, you're the calm one. You're the calm one to get us into this place. Um, can you just say that again, please? How do you feel? I'm going to ask you the same question that we were just discussing because I think, you know, healing the earth um, and healing our country and our fractured country, which is being occupied at the moment, has never had an end. Do you think the healing between the Indigenous and non-Indigenous people is the time for now? Um, actually, I do think that, yeah. Um, I'm in a mind to, to try and <coughs> provide a, a lot of information <coughs> or Aboriginal people maybe now <coughs> we've never really talked before, even about this um, Kyogle area and the history of... <coughs> But where I'm coming from really totally is um, not to um, shame or make people feel guilty because we can't change the past, but we can change the future, which is um, starting now, what we do now. So um, that inspires me. <laughs> and um, I guess there's um, work to do. You uh, mentioned backstage that after this you're going down to... Um Aboriginal land. You want to yes. talk about that? Yes, it's um, down the coast <coughs> behind Black Rocks there, Bunjalung National Park. And um, it's the land was claimed there by the Bunjalung clan about 10 years ago. Um, there was a, another one in the paper the other day, but this is the original one. And it's, it's kind of a feeling, the young people there, they actually feel like they're on on country and um, feel that connection. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it's, um, <clears throat> I guess we feel a little bit on the outer. <laughs> and, and but that helps, these things help, and um, we've had great outcomes getting young people back onto um, country and um, seeing, yeah, that that's a good thing. And while you're down there, you're going to be doing some cultural burning. Oh, is that um, helping heal the land in itself? Look, uh, I don't think we'll be actually doing. Look, I don't think we are. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it is about renewing the land. Um, this is how the main tool that Aboriginal people used for thousands of years was um, burning, um, cultural burning, to um, manage this country, which has always been flammable, and uh, the fire stories actually come through the dream uh, dreamtime stories. We haven't got enough time.
time for that, but, but the basic is that this place is flammable and we need to um, listen to Aboriginal people <coughs> to find out all about this because it's got to be one of the solutions and I believe it will be. We have um, by the 16th on the um, Royal Commission into the fires, the recent fires in New South Wales. Um, my son um, had an organisation um, called Fire Sticks, um, which um, <coughs> talks cultural burning and, well, we've been um, teaching it all over Australia and um, performing, um, you know, uh, showing how it's done. Uh, we did some out at um, Tabulum there, before the fires there, and um, we did some down the south coast at a place called Bundanon, when the, when the fires came in there, and apparently it, it helped there as well. Absolutely, it definitely but, did. But um, at the time we weren't planning on doing that, it was just to um, actually demonstrate. Um, um, yeah, but anyway, it all came on, and um, even though it's raining now, it's wet now, and everything's really beautiful, I would like you to um, forget about it because it is, um, yeah, like it's, if, if what I'm talking about isn't um, kind of implemented and embraced, Australia well could become a, like a parkland. <clears throat> and we have so much natural resource here still um, in Australia and the Southern Hemisphere is the Northern Hemisphere. You know, so much is lost, they don't even know what a um, indigenous plant is or animal. So I hope that, um, and I really do believe that a majority of Australian people do want to see the um, preservation of the Australian bushland, which of course uh, relates to the habitats of the animals, of course. And um, again, that's where cultural fire also is part because it um, keeps the habitats um, clean. And it, it um, <clears throat> you know, like for food, and, um, and of course, when they smell the smoke, when we do the proper burning, um, it, they don't panic. They know they don't have to um, run away from their home. They can stay there, it's all cool. So you probably didn't know there was many different types of smokes, um, but this is what we teach in the cultural burning. Yes. Yep. Um, I, uh, on the relations of um, Indigenous um, reconciliation, I'm going to point, pose this question to everyone on the panel. Do you, what do you think about our national anthem? And do you think that using words and, um, and songwriting and a collective voice, it's, it, we hear about it as part of our culture and it reflects our culture. How do you think that our national anthem needs to change to create a healing? Or are you happy with it as it is? Well, I'll tell you this, Beck. I've sung the American National Anthem for visiting teams occasionally, and I'm grateful that our National Anthem, with its, with the, 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 descript, the, the Disagreements that a lot of us might have with our national anthem. I'm just grateful it's not the American national anthem. Well, that is that is a good a good point. Bombs, rockets, red glare, and bombs bursting in air. I mean, there's 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 a lot to be cynical about the Australian national anthem. But I did reference it when we were at Bentley. Um, gently, let's go gently. Advance Australia fair. Her land, her water, and air. So I grabbed hold of that um, because I think. We had to grab onto some. We had to grab onto things, uh, whatever we could. Well, there are parts of it, like our our home is abundant in beautiful things that are rich yeah. and rare. I guess and there there is that aspect maybe, of it, which maybe, is beautiful. Maybe it comes up to how well we're living up to it, to the aspirations in that in the anthem. You know, we're not we're not being true in many ways to what we're singing about. You know. Um, and maybe that's why it seems like um, people have, have some, have, you know, there's legitimate concern with it. Um, Stuart, I know that you uh, have opinions about anthems. Yeah, I just want something more humble. I yep. just want a touch more humility. 
I just want a touch more honesty about the past. Yep. I want it to be less militaristic. I think I it be, could be. Absolutely, I'm sure a lot of us agree with that. Tell Okay. <laughs> that was a stirrer, wasn't it? Uh. <laughs> um, I, I think the national anthem reflects the culture as people saw it in the past in Australia. Um, personally, I would like to see that culture change and then we would choose another one. But I think we have to choose to have the change in the culture first. Um, maybe the arts have some some um, role in showing people some direction to give some hope for the future. I would like to see that this this session ends on a hopeful note, and I think that the that the arts have a have a role in pointing a way forward. Well, if we're talking about the arts, like, I mean, surely the flag must change. The what? The, f the, the symbol, which is Australia, it has to incorporate Indigenous culture in it as well. Like, I mean, if we're going to do some change, we should just change the whole lot. You yeah. know? Yeah. That's Maybe? Yep. Make Be sure that Beck we for include... Prime Minister. Yep. Beg your pardon? Beck for Prime Minister. No. <laughs> I, that would not work. I'm sure we'll just do people all that would be unhappy. Time. <laughs> First of all, should rewrite a new national anthem and, and design a new flag. There I you agree. go. <laughs> Let's do that. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done, and the way that we do it is through our different mediums, hopefully to highlight issues like the environment. We both highlight the environment and the issues. We all have environmental issues. Without an earth, we don't have people on it. People are affected by climate change. Therefore, there's conflict within their countries because they don't have enough of their basic needs. Because like, what was it from three months of, if we all live like Australians, it's three months that we've actually got to live. Not even three months. So I'm, we're gonna close this discussion. It's been really lovely having you all here. And Uncle Andrew is going to sing us a few songs as he goes out, as he goes up there. So I'd like you all to join me in thanking Christabel, Stuart, Luke, and Uncle Andrew. Thank you very much for coming and discussing this. Yeah. And I hope that way with things that you can talk about and discuss throughout the following year and we come back and write stuff, make art. Okay. <clears throat> um, I'd like to do a song by um, Bob Dylan, um, but my version of it. Stop. 
like to do a song, it's a very special song to me, um, because I actually um, got to play with Uncle Jimmy Little here on this very stage in, in the late 90s, which was um, rather exciting, and I was very inspired by him, he was a tremendous um, uh, <coughs> statesman and human being, Uncle Jimmy Little, and um, <coughs> I went to a show that they, uh, I made a, um, <coughs> a um, play of his story, of his particular story, which is a, which is a good one, but um, too long to tell now. But he was, uh, he did have a hit single before he was a citizen in this country, which is rather interesting and um, was sometimes played in um, RSL clubs and in the middle of his song he'd have to do an ad, like, and uh, come down to five and six for the chops at um, da da da. And yeah, this is Fettingham. <coughs> Anyway, this is a song by the church, but um, <coughs> it was um, a hurt year. Also, my Uncle Jimmy. Sometimes it feels 
Thank you so much. I hope you really enjoyed the weekend. That was a presentation of the Kyogre Writers Festival 2021. Head over to our website, KyogreWritersFestival.com, for upcoming events, how to become involved, and details on next year's festival.